Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I feel like I haven't really talked to you guys directly in a while, uh, but this week I'm throwing a different type of episode at you guys. A couple weeks back, I attended the New Jersey Orthopedic Institute Sports Injury Prevention Training Camp at Seton Hall Prep in West Orange, New Jersey. And at this camp, young athletes learn the proper mechanics and best practices to prevent injuries in their upcoming fall seasons. The athletes got to hear from both current and former NFL players talk about the different ways they took care of or are currently taking care of their bodies to optimize longevity throughout their careers. The NFL players in attendance were retired NFL running back Brian Leonard, current NFL free agent Tim Wright, current Chicago Bears fullback Michael Burton, and retired NFL linebacker Kevin Malist. While I was there covering the event, I got the opportunity to interview each of these former Rutgers football standouts and NFL veterans for about five minutes each, which was just enough time to get some great advice from each of them. In addition, I interviewed a couple who brought their two sons to the camp, and we hear about some of mom's concerns, but also some of the great and amazing things that football has to offer for their kids, uh, other kids, and you know their family as a whole. So it was kind of cool to hear that perspective. The episode then concludes with an interview from Dr. Anthony Cilia, who taught the athletes about injury prevention from a more scientific standpoint. Before we dive into our interview, I want to thank you guys for your continued support and for letting me know about how the podcast has been helping you throughout your recoveries. I'd also be honored if you left uh, a review on iTunes so more and more athletes around the world can reap the same benefits. Now to kick it off, we hear from the high-flying defensive back hurdling, Brian Leonard. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life, but you can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Brian, I know at Rutgers I was... Someone, you're someone that I looked up to as a fullback growing up and being a New, New Jersey guy. And I know you're known for, you know, leaping over defenders and stuff like that uh, in your running a game. So I was wondering if any of that approach, like as a running back, fullback, was any of that to like avoid injury? Like what was your approach, you know, at, from, from a position standpoint to avoid injury? Um, for me, it was definitely getting in the weight room. Uh, when I came into Rutgers, I was 205 pounds. By my sophomore year, I was 235 pounds. So getting that bulk, um, working on them little muscles in the shoulder and in the hips and the and ankles and knees, um, the stability muscles to uh, you know protect your body, um, that was very important for me. And uh, you know, especially at the fullback position, um, the banging you do in that position, it it's, takes a toll on your shoulders and your body and your back. For sure. Um, but I think the biggest help um, for me was uh, definitely building up my strength uh, in the weight room. Okay. But from a, a perspective of, like, most fullbacks, right, like, you, you're known for, like, blocking, like, self-sacrifice is, like, the name of the game. Like, you're just out there to make Ray Rice look good or something like that, even though I know you had your own successes on the field, too. So when you are actually, like, on the field, did you approach, like, how you – say a defender was coming in and they were trying to tackle you. Like, did you approach how you try to avoid that defender in any way to, like, preserve your body? You know, I think uh, a lot of positioning. We learn a lot of positioning as, at the fullback position, um, where to have your head, where to put your hands, um, where to put your body. Um, okay. It's a lot to do with leverage. Uh, you get, you're the lower man, you're not going to get hit as hard. The guy that's higher than you is going to take most of the punishment. Okay. So um, that was definitely a factor. I think it's important to learn how to fall. I mean, some people these days just don't know how to fall, and then the, falling in the right position, um, uh, I, th- I think that's important to learn as a young kid, too. Okay. Uh, it's just uh, the way to ho- put your body in certain positions when you're going down to the ground, because in football you're going down the ground almost 
every play, especially right. at fullback and running back. Um, so those two things, learning how to fall and body position, I think were very important throughout my, my career. Okay. Um, I know you had a couple of shoulder injuries uh, with the Rams, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so how would your, I guess, how was your approach to getting back on the field and like not injuring those shoulders again? Was it the weight room again or? Um, basically, I mean, you just got to strengthen those muscles. You really do. Um, I had uh, both my AC joints, my AC oh, joints repaired. Oh, painful injury. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, I think a lot of that I had to do throughout college too, the heavy lifting in college. Uh, which is is important, but it does take a, a toll on your joints. But most mostly, it was um, from the the hard hard impacts of collisions in football. Uh, you know, uh, basically, they call an AC joint injury a shoulder separation. Every time you hit that shoulder and that joint separates and comes back together, and it, swelling gets in there, and then you're so much pain that sometimes you got to get injections, and the injections, you know, kind of mask the pain. So you're you're playing through pain. You're lifting. You're playing th- through an injury, but you don't feel the pain anymore. Um, and eventually uh, you get bone spurs on your shoulders and uh, it just takes a toll on your body. Um, you know, if I went back and, and think about some of the things I did to play in a football game, when I think back on it now, there's probably some stuff that I wouldn't have done um, because of the pain that it gives me to this day. Uh, but, you know, football did give me a great life, a great opportunity, uh, met a lot of people, did a lot of things, so I wouldn't take, really take anything back, but some of the, the little things uh, I did to play in to games, to okay. playing some games. Do you think that those shoulder injuries, uh, I guess, affected your performance on the field? You know, you're saying you're playing hurt. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a really bad head injury, and before that head injury, I had a separated shoulder. And I swear to God, like the two are correlated because I just stopped using my shoulders and I started using my head. So, do you think that your performance decreased on the field because of these injuries, or were you able to kind of? maintain the same level no, uh, no absolutely 100 percent it affects affects your performance uh you know you you try to play through the pain most guys do play through the pain but um you know my 80 percent was generally better than guys 100 percent. so i was able to get by and still look like i could play well um but when i was at 100 percent, i was putting guys on the ground but when i had an injury a shoulder injury like you said you wouldn't really use that shoulder anymore and you put your head more into guys than than you would your your hands and your shoulders so uh it does you know, when you have an injury on one part of the body, uh, it can affect another part of the body uh, with injuries. So right. um, you really gotta gotta look out for that. Right, like you're saying, like today you're feeling the effects of some of that too. Yeah. So last question, what's your advice to football players to extend their career as long as possible, like longevity? I know you played in the NFL, how many seasons? Eight years. Eight years, like that's no joke, right? The average career lifespan of an NFL player is like three and a half, right? Yep. So what do you credit, you know, the longevity of your NFL career to that other athletes can can take into their game? Prehab and rehab, so it prevent injuries. You're doing uh, the in the weight room. Try to get as strong as you can. Try to get the little muscles as strong as you can. And rehab, obviously, once you have an injury, um, it's really important to do all the rehab you're supposed to do. I've also had um, rotator cuff capsule surgery on my left shoulder, along with both AC joints. And then I also had a, a L5-S1 uh, anterolateral endoscopic microdiscectomy on my back. So I've had, Damn, uh, dude. Yeah, I've had some – I've been pretty banged up. But I'd say the most important thing um, is try to prevent them. Do a lot of prehab. And then if you do get an injury, make sure you get in there and do everything the doctors tell you to do, all the rehab you're supposed to do. And, um, you know, obviously weight room is very important. Stay strong, eating healthy, and uh, being in the right position, putting your body in the right position is uh, very important too. All those things together can keep you healthy. Brian, thanks a lot for your time, man. Appreciate it.
So Brian was a guy I always looked up to uh, as a fullback in high school. That was in the, the heyday of Rutgers football when him and Ray Rice were, were tearing up on the field. So just to kind of recap what Brian uh, learned throughout his career in order to take care of his body is, you know, one, you know, kind of live in the weight room and try to build up the armor to protect you from those injuries. And like you said, the prehab uh, before you get hurt and then Obviously, you know, sometimes you can't help getting hurt and then make sure you follow the doctor's protocols in that one. The other one that was interesting was uh, about positioning and leverage, you know, from a fullback standpoint, but also it doesn't really matter what position you're playing, especially in football, the low man wins. You know, make yourself small to pretty much decrease contact uh, or the chances of getting hit at, at some point in time. The other things I thought were pretty interesting were, uh, you know, how kind of playing through pain and the cumulative effect of playing injured, you know, how one thing kind of leads to a neck, another thing, and then how it really hinders your performance on the field. You know, some guys like Brian can get away with it, you know, playing at 80% and, and still perform better than most guys on the field. Um, I don't think I was one of those players that, that could make up for that kind of deficit. Um and then in addition, you know, just eating healthy uh, and taking care of your body. So uh, I think those are some, some good little knowledge nuggets there from Brian. And now we hear from Tim Wright, who's a, a former Rutgers standout wide receiver. He was on the team when I was a student manager there. Uh, and then he turned to a tight end when he was in the NFL. Uh, he had one ACL injury at Rutgers. He's just coming off another ACL injury back in May of 2016 when he was with uh, the Lions. And I'll tell you what, you know, the way he was running the, the through the agility ladder and demonstrating the proper mechanics to the kids at this camp, I think it's definitely safe to say that he's uh, at 100%, so I'm excited to see where he's going to end up uh, for this upcoming uh, season. This particular uh, part of the episode is interesting uh, in that it really highlights the importance of having a passion outside of your, your sport and also you know, how there can be opportunities you know, through adversity at, at some points in time. So uh, enjoy this one with Tim Wright. Tim, thanks for agreeing to, to talk with me. And we go back to our Rutgers football days when I was cleaning your jock straps uh, for, <laughs> no. for a living in college, but it was fun. Right. The greatest jock straps I've ever touched. But, uh, <laughs> no, that was, that was but, so you had an ACL injury at Rutgers too, right? Right, 2010. Okay, and then you most recently had one when you were on the lines. Yes. So what, what's been like your mental and emotional kind of status since this last – injury I know it's like a tough thing for most athletes yeah I mean um, considering it was in two different times on two different levels one being college and then this last one being in the NFL um, you kind of had some time to mature over those years and uh, I realized that in the NFL it really stands for not for long you know the turnover and the um, the the lasting of the guys playing in the NFL now is like three years max um, but, you know, the guys that exceed that time, it's special to have each year be accredited year football. So me realizing that, getting hurt in my fourth year, um, I knew that I had to do some things off the field and get some things going while I had the platform of, you know, the NFL and playing at a professional level. I knew that those things could help me on my off the field stuff. So um, I would say it was a different mentality at the time being a young guy in college. I was 20 years old when I tore my first one. And it was a lot of things that I had to learn. Um, it was a lot of uh, maturing that I had to do at a young age and being around other group of guys and they're playing really well. Um, I knew that I had to step up in other areas, whether that was academics, whether I was being a leader on the sideline. Um, all of those things came into play. But like I said, now having more responsibility, um, being out of college, being in the NFL, I knew that was a different focus that I had to have. 
Okay. You still uh, trying to make a comeback? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I'm 100% now. Uh, camp is getting started in a couple weeks, and uh, right now I'm a free agent, so just waiting for that call. Great, man. I'll yep. be rooting for you. Thank you, man. So I know you just opened up a barber shop at Rutgers, too. I remember yeah. all the guys would be – you'd be cutting their hair in the locker room and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Um, I know Side Bottom gave you rave reviews. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, Definitely. Yeah, I was just curious if, you know, having the barber shop, at, you know, during this past injury – did that help you throughout the process because you kind of had something else to put your passion towards? Mm, yeah, I mean, you know, football and cutting hair has been two of my passions for a long time. Um, I've been cutting hair for 13 years, playing hair for 20 years, sorry, playing football for 20 years, and um, I knew that it was time for me to, to do something because the opportunity presented itself. And uh, putting a barbershop is called the right cut back on um, campus at Rutgers. It was, it was just a great accomplishment. Um, for all you listeners, the address is 55 Rockefeller Road. It's in Piscataway, New Jersey, and it's on the uh, the Livingston campus. So it's um it's a great business that I was able to put together with the time that I had away from football, um, just focusing on my rehab. I had a lot of time on my hands, and it gave me the chance to really see my vision through, and that was the biggest thing that I wanted. So now it's running itself. Uh, business is doing great. And, um, you know, if, like I said, if you listeners are there, go check it out, man, the right cut. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, there it is. Well, I appreciate a nice fade. So. No problem. Yeah. yeah, we got it. Get it done. <laughs> I can see you're, you're repping one right now, so yeah. you're, you're living it. Yep. Uh, all right, last question. How important do you think it is for athletes to have passions like you've had with uh, the, the cutting hair mm-hmm. uh, in the barbershop outside of their sport? Because like you said, like the NFL, not for long, right. league. And any day, man. Um, I, I spoke to a group of kids uh, a couple days ago, and I told them, like, it's very important now in your young age, you know, whether you're 8, 10, 13, 15, 18, find something else that you love as well. You know, um, find something that you have a passion in because the odds are, you know, one out of 10 guys is going to make it to the NFL or even have a chance. You know what I mean? And how long that is, is a blessing after that. But just to have the opportunity is very slim. Um, so it's very important that you identify something else that you love because you can turn it into a business one day. Um, you can make it a job for yourself. You can do something that, you know, you're able to provide for your family with. And uh, I'm grateful to have, you know, the passion of cutting hair on my side and be able to open a barbershop and open a business back on campus. Tim, thank you very much for taking the time. And I'd love to get you on the podcast to Definitely. really dig, even, dig in even deeper about your injuries and stuff. I think Absolutely. it'd be great for the listeners. So no problem, man. looking Thanks forward to it, Tim. All right. Thanks, dude. No problem. Thanks, man. Tim Wright's obviously a perfect example that you could find opportunity in adversity and also that you could still reach, you know, very high levels of athletic competition uh, or the upper echelons of of athletics with still having a passion outside of your sport. So I think that's something that, you know, the listeners can really take with them to, to show that you don't just have to be, you know, a football player or a baseball player or a soccer player. You know, if if you want to reach, you know the the higher levels, and it's it's cool and even relaxing sometimes to have, you know, passions outside of your sport that are you know maybe not even athletic ability related at all. But next up, we have my buddy Mike Byrne, who I played with in high school. He's also a former Rutgers football walk-on fullback turned team captain, and is the current fullback for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Michael is also a previous guest of the podcast. You can hear more from him in episode 33, and. At one point during this camp, Michael told the athletes that the best ability that they can have is availability. And that really resonated with me, and hence the name of this episode. Um, but Mike's a guy who you know, treats his body like a temple. 
you know, is very conscious about what he's putting in his body, how he recovers from, you know, workouts and games and, and other injuries. And he, he's a great role model in, in how to kind of treat yourself to make sure that you last long enough to make these, you know, higher levels of competition. And, and obviously Mike has reached, you know, the, the peak of, of the, that level of competition now. So I'm excited to show the audience what, what, what he has to, to offer and what he utilizes throughout his uh, training regimen to you know keep himself on the field and to keep himself available all right so i'm with my boy michael burton former teammate i know you're you're a fullback right so i think the name of the game as a fullback is like self-sacrifice and really like throwing your body out there to make the running back look good half the time right i know you and brian leonard are a bit of an exception in your terms of the athletic ability of oh, these fullbacks okay yeah whatever mike <laughs> uh but anyway how do you approach the fullback position to Stay healthy. You know, you've been in the league coming up on three years now, right? And you've made it through four or five, no, five years uh, as a Division One college football player. You know, how do you stay healthy and how do you approach the fullback position that's, you know, high impacts, lots of impacts? You know, how do you stay healthy? What's your approach? Right, so I don't think there's one particular thing you can do that's specifically designed, you know, maybe for a fullback. Maybe it's I guess you could say, you know, do a little bit more neck exercise, a little more traps, you know, try to build that up, you know, in the head area to kind of take on those head-on collisions um, in terms of doing stuff in the weight room. But in terms of, you know, doing the cold tub, the hot tub, stretching, you know, uh, you know, crowd therapy, acupuncture, massages, cupping, all those things are really for every type of football player. But I like to do those things. And, and so far, you know, doing those different things have kind of helped me. Um, but like I said, I guess for spe specifically for fullback would just be to – kind of work on the shoulder, neck, you know, head area to try to um, just try to take away some of that impact you received during the game. Okay. So. And you feel like this recovery kind of plethora of recovery options that you've tried has helped you throughout your career? I think so, yeah. I mean, I still kind of do the old school, you know, hot tubs, cold tubs and that kind of stuff, but they keep on coming out these new things. I'm certainly willing to try them. Right. You know, I, I just try to do whatever I can to make my body feel the best way. And, um, you know, I'm going to continue to keep doing that. And I think it's important that you find veterans on your team and guys who have played for a long time, like Tim, like Kevin, like Brian, who've stayed healthy. And, and what did they do to do it? You kind of got to find those types of guys and ask them what worked for them and then try to apply that to your life. Okay. In terms of like technique and like approaching a linebacker that you're trying to block, have you found like a technique that is like self-preserving yet effective? I just think not really. I think really for me, I played running back my entire life and everything up until like the point of contact, maybe a yard or two before, is kind of like you're the running back because you want to find the right hole. Um, you want to make sure you, you're in – you know, cohesiveness with your offensive lineman. You don't want to, you know, be in the wrong hole so they get called for a holding penny. So a lot of it's it's like you're the running back, which I'm used to. But then that, you know, that first second, you know, that yard, two, three yards away from the from the linebacker, that's when you want to, you know, bend, get low, and strike through them and, and move them out of the hole. Um, and really, there's there's really no there's really nothing to it. It's you got to put your face in on them and then just drive them out of the hole. You got to just be be willing and physical, you know, enough to do it. Right. So focus on the recovery is what Michael Burton says. So, Mike, thank you for putting this camp on and helping kids prevent injuries in the future and promoting the sport of football. I really appreciate it, and uh, thanks for your time. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. After listening to both Mike and Brian Leonard in this interview, both of whom you know played fullback at one point in time, uh, were running backs, you know, it doesn't always seem like there's a technique or anything that you can really avoid injury or, or 
make it less likely to be injured. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, can't always control everything, but there are certain things that you can control, and that's, you know, what you do in the weight room and what you do for prehab and what you do to recover from, you know, whatever kind of abuse that you're putting your body through, you know, on on a day-in, day-out basis. So, you know, like like Mike said, like he's willing to try anything, you know, that, that might make him better, might heal his body, you know, in, in a better way or create a different environment within his body to, to heal. But one commonality between all these guys is that they were all, you know, weight room warriors and they all really kind of forged a, a body of armor, you know, in the weight room to prevent their injuries. And the next guy up in this interview uh, is no different. Uh, Kevin Malist, who was a linebacker who played three seasons in the NFL, um, was a stud linebacker at Rutgers, played with Brian Leonard uh, during the Rutgers football glory days. Um, you know, he he was the kind of guy who, you know, wanted to avoid the training room at all costs and, you know, really pride himself on being the traditional quote-unquote you know tough guy so i hope kev's part of this episode can kind of shed some light on you know why it's important for even tough guys to take care of themselves as well kevin like i said before i never met a kevin i didn't like <laughs> i know you're a linebacker at Rutgers, um in the the heyday of Rutgers football uh, before i got there so as a linebacker lots of hits and not even the the number of hits but like the impact or impact severity it's pretty high absolutely so how did you approach the linebacker position to maybe avoid some of the contact and kind of extend your longevity and career into the NFL totally um you know I'm gonna sound like a complete meathead here uh but you know it's a classic like will linebacker mentality but I would just honestly I would lift a lot of weights I, I lift and I would have good proper range of motion and a lot of my lifting, I felt like protected my body. I used it as like my own armor to protect me from injury when I played in the game. So a lot of the games, like if you think about it, like you play, you know, I would play about, you know, 60 snaps on a Saturday or maybe even some days, like, you know, if it was a, it was a tougher game, it was like maybe 80 snaps. I would go into the weight room the next day and I wouldn't have to be lifting a ton of weight, but I would just be, I would just break it, break up that soreness, get my body feeling a certain way, get my range of motion back. And now would prepare me for practice and would, would, would lead me into the following week. And I feel like to me, that was my own personal secret. Okay. And I know that, uh, see you, Tim. Uh, so I know it, just before you were saying how you always like avoided the training room at all costs, like recovery wasn't exactly your thing. So, you know, how did, was there any injuries that you had that you wish you handled differently in terms of like longevity and performance on the field? Honestly, and, that, and that's a good question. I, honestly, I, I wouldn't. I don't have many regrets about my career. I did everything I could to the best of my ability. Um, to me, I would say I was definitely, like you said, I was a little hard-headed as far as going to the training room. You know, I was the same way. I, I, exactly, and I, and I would be like, you know, I don't need a, I don't need a cold t- tub or whatever. But now, with my knowledge about the game, and I sort of learned this, especially in the NFL, when I'd see like big-time veterans, like guys like Brian Urlacher when I was with Chicago, taking care of his body a certain way, and there's no reason, and, and that's the reason why he's always on the field. You know, so when I started getting to the NFL, I sort of learned that. But when I was at Rutgers, I kind of just ignored it. Uh, I always I had the classic tough guy mentality. I never missed a practice of my entire career at Rutgers. So, but, you know, injuries pop up, and I, I was blessed not to have anything crazy to the point where it forced me in a training room, but I do definitely wish I, I took care of my body a little bit, you know, before and after games. What were some of the things, like Brian Erlacher, what, what kind of things did you learn from him and, ta- and take into your own recovery? Well, he was, a lot of, a lot of times with Brian was his proper rest. You know, he, he really took care, I mean, and for a guy who was a rock star of Chicago, he could have done anything on any given night, but he really took care of his body as far as getting proper rest, um, putting proper things into his body. He, Brian 
Ryan wouldn't just eat any random things. You know, he drank a lot of water, hydrated. Uh, it was like the small things, but it's very detailed to why he was he had such a great long career. And if you look at Brian's past injury history, it's it's not lengthy, you know. So he just I would say proper rest, nutrients, and things along that nature. Okay, um, in terms of you know the linebacker position, like what did you have like a certain technique that you like avoided injury at all, or like avoided contact as much as possible to to kind of I don't know. As a linebacker, you're like told to freaking stick your face in there, right? So, did you kind of game the system in any way to make it to the NFL and last long enough? To be honest, and this may sound weird and like contradictory, but I was such a physical player that I never even thought of injury. So I kind of like I feel like a lot of times, and a lot of people say this: if you're thinking about getting injured, that's when you kind of get injured. So if you're kind of moving in a certain way where you're kind of avoiding a certain hit here or there, and you're thinking too much, that's when injuries kind of happen. Okay. To me, I just never thought about it, and I went a hundred percent every play, and I think that kind of like. It just kind of helped me. Like, I was kind of ready for any kind of hit. Uh, I was kind of looking for con- – I was one of those linebackers that looked for contact, uh, and, that, and that's not always a good thing. Um, but that's just the way I played. So I think that kind of helped me as a player. Okay. Last question. Um, where did that mentality kind of come from? Like, the I don't want to go to the trainer. I'm going to just stick my face in everything. But, I mean, it worked for you. You know, it got you to a, a place in the NFL that most guys don't ever get to. Absolutely. And you lasted. So – you kind of said that the weight room kind of built your armor to protect your body through those hits, um, but where did that mentality come from? I kind of just have an old, I just have an old school mentality. Uh, my father's a retired lieutenant colonel in the state police, so I, I grew up with him. And everyone always talks about you know how, how tough Coach Yano was, but I kind of got that you know before I even came to him as a player. So that's why it was fun for me to play for him. But you know, I just kind of, I kind of just learned like you know, for example, when I was, I only missed two days of school from kindergarten all the way to senior year in high school. And, and one was because of my recruiting visit to Rutgers. And then another one was I wrestled in a tournament for wrestling uh, in Iowa when I was in eighth grade. So the only times I ever missed school. So, like, if you look at it like that kind of way, like, I just never – I was – that's that type of guy. I never wanted to miss out. I never wanted to miss a practice because I always thought I wasn't getting better if I wasn't out in the field. Um, I was always a t- big teammate guy. I always had to be out there leading the guy, especially when I became a leader at Rutgers. Um, that's just the way – that's just the way I was built. Uh, I'm not trying to say I'm a super tough guy in any kind of way, but that's just kind of my mentality, and that became my instinct day in and day out. I just thought of one more question because I, I ask this a lot on the, the show. Like, what's your personal definition of, per, of toughness, and has that changed over time? To me, it's doing something at a very high level day in and day out and having a consistency day in and day out to do that. You know, it, it's funny. I, I always, you know, a lot, a lot of the strength coaches when I was at Rutgers, they'd be impressed with incoming freshmen. You know, some, so maybe they're putting up like crazy weight or something like that, and they're coming and they're working hard. And I would give them credit where credit was due, but I would always say, show me them your, their junior or senior year. Are they still working with that same kind of attitude? When they, when they come across uh, adversity, maybe they're not playing as much. Are they still showing that same kind of attitude? To me, that's what real toughness is having a constant approach day in and day out no matter what's going on around you no matter how you're feeling or how you're waking up that day can you give it everything you have you know not every day is going to be perfect but you can make every day perfect as, as long because it's in your control and that's to me that's a true meaning of toughness is being consistent kev that was freaking amazing dude that's a good way to end it <laughs> kevin's unite absolutely i appreciate it man. thanks so much thanks dude you heard the man. It sounds like a definition of toughness that that keeps you know popping up on the podcast more and more. You know, the more athletes that we talk to. So uh, that was a pretty cool way to end that one. But also, it's interesting to to see you know how his work ethic kind of is like it's almost like his mentality 
you know, kept him healthy, you know, and, and constantly going 100 miles an hour no matter what they're doing and not not worrying about getting hurt. Uh, but by doing that, that kind of keeps you healthy. Uh, and it was also cool to hear come some stories about some NFL legends like Brian Erlacher and how, you know, he treated his body and, he, you know, he, he played in the NFL for a long time. So these are the kind of guys that, you know, the the young NFL guys look up to and you know now hopefully by listening to this other young athletes like uh high school kids and and even younger can can learn from these these same uh approaches but now we hear from uh Donald and Angela Robinson who are two parents uh at the that were that brought their kids to the camp and I I really just was curious to see like why they brought their kids to the camp that day, you know, what concerns they might have had uh, for letting their kids play football. And, you know, the answers that I got from this one were, were, were pretty interesting, and it really highlights, you know, not only the, the major concerns that we hear about every day, like concussions, uh, but it also highlights some of the great things that football provides to, you know, kids all around the country. So it's cool that we get to kind of highlight that stuff in this one as well. So without further ado, uh, Donald and Angela Robinson. I'm here with Donald and Angela Robinson. They have, uh, how many kids you got at this camp today? Two. Two, Two kids at the yeah. camp. Um, so basically, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what made you want to bring these your kids to the, this camp, to the injury, injury prevention camp? As loving parents, we uh, we know that safety is first okay. and foremost. They both love football, so we just want to, um, you know, take all the per, per precautions. necessary precautions, yeah, okay. to, okay. you know. Help them enjoy the sport and um, to have a, a, a good time doing it, basically. Okay. Donald, did you play football growing up? Yes. Okay. What position did you play? Linebacker. Linebacker? Yeah. What positions do your kids play now? My son plays linebacker. My other son plays, uh, Aeneas plays linebacker, and Colin plays defensive end. Okay. Yeah. So, Angelo, did you have any reservations about your sons playing football? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what were those oh reservations, and what was that conversation like? Okay. Concussions, concussions, and injuries. Just, just injuries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Donald, do you say anything to your kids today in terms of, like, playing different than you might have played back in, in your playing days in, in terms of just saving your body? Right. It's all about education, um, first and foremost, stretching. Um, knowing um, your 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 talents as far as what you can do and not trying to overextend yourself to that to that point where you can you know cause injury basically so okay yeah did you suffer from any injuries as a, an athlete um, fortunately no I didn't no I didn't I mean you, you know your normal sprained ankle sometimes right. and stuff like that but nothing major do you nothing think major. you stayed did you do anything in your approach to the game to stay healthy like at linebacker like you're smacking your, your head around all the time. You're like right. hi, lots of contact and high contact. Right, right. Right? Like I think the game has evolved now and and they're taking more um, precautions. precautions as far as safety is concerned. And that's my number one concern as far as, you know, even allowing them to play now, you know. So um, that's one thing that I, I think has evolved since I played the game. Yeah. Did did I'm guessing Angela didn't push the kids to uh, no, football. not at all. Not at all. But did, yeah, <laughs> but did you? Did they just like? I'm sure you like watch football on Sundays and right, stuff like right, that. Yeah. Did they say like, you know, mom, dad, I want to play football, or did you? Were you hoping that they would play football? Well, I was fortunate fortunate enough to coach uh, Pop Warner football, um, the Irvington Knights, okay. and um, my son took an interest to it. And while we going to practices, they asked me mm -hmm. to start coaching, and it just became a family thing. So 
you know, my grandparents come and their grandparents come to the games and things right. of that nature. So um, they both enjoy it. Um, my son has a love for it. He watches it on his phone. He watches the old NFL network and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So, um, yeah, they, they, they definitely took a loving to it. But and there that, was a time when Aeneas did not want to do it. It was too soon, I think, for him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he went to the practices and everything, and then he was like, you know, this is not my year. Yeah. Do you remember why? Like, what, what was his reasoning? He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. For the, for the contact ready. or for the practice schedule? or I think it was all of it. All of it, yeah. He, he, he wasn't ready. He and, wasn't ready And then, it. you know, as parents, we didn't push him. Mm-hmm. We, we let him, you know, uh, decide when, decide he, when he wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And the next year he came back and he was a starting linebacker and starting center, captain of the football team. So, so he had it in him. He had it in yeah. him. Yeah, he had right. it in him. Yeah. I think that's interesting, too, what you guys said about how it's like a family thing. Right. You know, like right. it brings the family together, together. by you guys, right. by them playing football. Yeah. So that's Most something definitely. that I really haven't come across, but, like, it makes sense. It's yeah. like a cool thing that, yeah. I don't know, yeah, you don't, that people don't always talk about. Yeah, his grandparents travel all the way from New York, Philadelphia, because I'm from Philadelphia. She's from New York. I'm from New so, York. you know, we're a okay. house divided, Giants okay. and Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> so she has our youngest son corrupted already with the Giants. With the Giants. Okay. But my oldest son is, uh, he's with me with the Eagles, so, you know. <laughs> okay. Angela, yeah. last question before I let you guys go and okay. go back to watching your kids. Okay. Uh, what do you hope that they get out of the camp today? I hope that they get a true understanding of how important precaution is. Right. Just being safe. Okay. And not just, you know, I'm out there, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it hard, hard. I understand going hard. But I wanted to be, to be done safe. Right. Proper technique. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. yeah. Proper technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Donald, that was my last question for you. So now that you're a coach, and you're mm-hmm. coaching your kids and other people's kids. Mm-hmm. You know, how has how have you changed your approach to coaching and and compared to how you were coached as a kid? Um, not to say that we didn't have the love back then, but um, it's more than just football. You know, it's um, just like the commercials. Isn't yeah, that like? yeah. It's more than just football. It's it's a relationship that you build with these kids. Okay. And a um, relationship where you can help them as far as school is concerned. You may be able to help them um, with their challenges that they have from day to day. A lot of kids grow up without fathers in the home, so they don't have a father figure. So those things, I think, are um, things that you know we can bring to the table now that we really didn't focus on back okay. then. Guys, I really appreciate you taking the Thank time you, away you. from watching your kids uh, <laughs> to share your thoughts on the camp and football and safety and shedding light on the positives that the sport has to bring as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. All right, most definitely. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. This episode is being posted in the same week that a study at a Boston University showed that you know 99% of the brain studied in this particular study uh, showed signs of CTE. You know, and that's kind of the buzzword around. Uh, concussions and stuff like that in in the sport of football and kind of you know demonizes the sport to some degree um you know whether that's justified or not i think it's obviously still up for debate you know and whether we like kids play tackle football versus flag football um i think that's also still up for debate but trending towards you know maybe not letting them play and letting them play uh flag football instead but either way uh, you know, hearing from Donald and Angela Robinson, you know, it's obvious that there's benefits to playing the sport, you know, kind of intangible things that these kids are, are getting. Um, 
from participating in, in, in football. Uh, so I think it's kind of cool to highlight some of the good, you know, when there's, there's so much bad press going on about, you know, football in particular, you know, in, in the media. Uh, last up, we have uh, Dr. Anthony Cilia, and he's going to drop some of his uh, medical school knowledge bombs, you know, since he's an orthopedic surgeon, uh, about sports injuries and the injuries that he sees on a day-to-day basis uh, and, and how they can be prevented. And I also apologize for the sound quality of this particular uh, recording, uh, just because it was a little windy when I was doing it, uh, and also for the sound quality of, of all these uh, recordings. But I think they're they're good enough, and it, it was important to get the message across and, and out to you guys. So I hope it wasn't too distracting. I'm here with Dr. Anthony Cilia, uh, orthopedic surgeon for New Jersey Orthopedic Institute. And today we're here at uh, Michael Burton's little sports injury prevention uh, training camp here. Uh, so Dr. Cilia, what kind of things should the athletes that came here for the camp be really focusing on in terms of the injuries that you see on a daily basis and you you know perform surgeries on like what things are preventable like what kind of injuries come into your practice that should be preventable yeah there's uh that's a great question thanks for having me the uh numerous injuries uh that we see on a daily basis uh, a lot of them you know fortunately can be prevented um there's there's a lot of data for example like acl tears um if you have a rigorous um injury prevention program, those rates, especially in female athletes, can be significantly decreased. So uh, proprioception and uh, specific exercises such as jump training and landing properly, proper mechanics is probably the number one uh, way to prevent injuries in um, athletes. Um, Also having proper warm up and cool down periods, proper stretching and not overtraining is one of the most important things that we're going to talk about. Uh, although as a football camp, uh, we've seen this in the baseball literature pretty clearly that, for example, pitching without taking four months and a year break has shown a 36 times higher injury rate. So we want to apply that to football and all the, all the other sports is that to be very careful when you're playing multiple teams and you're playing throughout the year um, and not taking breaks that we have to be very mindful that especially in youth athletes when they break down when they're tired they break down their form and that's when they're prone to injury Uh, that's probably the number one uh, key message here tonight okay so what kind of like mechanical breakdowns happen in terms of an acl injury for example so in in acl injuries we we see a higher rate due to improper pivoting and landing mechanics um, most commonly, they're seen in non-contact injuries. Contact injuries are typically what we consider to be more unavoidable type injuries where you're having uh, direct contact to the knee, as you, you know, saw with Gronkowski getting his ACL and yep. MCL blown out. Un- unfortunately, there's really not much we can do to prevent that, but most injuries that you see are guys taking cuts and going out of the sideline, and they have a planted foot, and they're changing direction, and their full force is going forward while their foot is planted and that shift that what we call pivot shift is what overpowers the acl and so what we really want to focus on is proper cutting and deceleration mechanics and also having proper quadricep not just strength brute strength but also 
the muscle coordination. So having the three hamstring muscles and the four quadricep muscles decelerate the knee properly so that all the force doesn't go through the relatively weak ACL and your strong muscles are decelerating the force. Um, and in the female literature, the uh, jump training simply by uh, getting them to jump and land with their knees centered over their shoulders as opposed to knees valgus or buckling um, has been shown to significantly prevent uh, injuries. Okay. So in terms of like return to play, a lot of your athletes, like do you, is there a difference between the athletes that go back to a non-contact sport, which is more of like a, I guess an overuse type injury in a lot of cases versus a sport like football or rugby, like you were talking about in terms of, you know, how soon is too soon maybe to, to go back to the sport? Yeah, so the, the tricky thing about that and, and, and that uh, a lot of our, our practice and Atlantic Sports Health, we, we have a very integrated type practice with athletic trainers and physical therapists and primary care sports medicine docs because it's not a set timeline that's, that is generalizable to all athletes or even athletes of a certain subset. You know, you can say, I wrote a paper on um, NFL return to play after a specific type of knee surgery. And you can see there's a wide array of return to play. And that's because it's specific to the injury and it's specific to the athlete. So the essential criteria, for example, the two most common things we see in football, um, aside from concussion and such, is shoulder instability, that is a dislocated shoulder, or an ACL tear in the knee. Um, in order for us to allow someone to return to play, they have to essentially graduate through the basic physical therapy um, rehabilitation program, which is restoring full range of motion and strength to the knee, which is most specifically the quadriceps and hamstring, uh, and in the shoulder, um, the rotator cuff musculature, deltoid, pec, etc. So once they've restored full range of motion and full strength, is that when we start to be begin them on a graduated return to play program. For example, we have e each subset of athletes, we have a kind of a cookbook program that we give. However, the athletic trainer, the physical therapist need to modify this specifically for the athlete. So week 10 after an ACL, that some athletes may be jogging, some athletes may still be working on uh, their strength in order to be able to be at that level. Um, so, so it is a specific thing, but, but the approach is really to have an integrated approach so that um, no athlete gets returned too soon. Uh, and you also optimize uh, returning athletes. There are, there are some people who return months before the standard uh, uh, cookbook program uh, because they are able to restore their muscular function quicker. And our goal always, if we're talking about surgery, and it's not always that we're talking about surgery, but we want to have a stable repair and stable anatomy so that we can advance the athlete as, as tolerated. Okay. Um, last question. So how do you approach the athletes who might be taking a little bit longer in their recovery in terms of, like, their mental status? Like, how do you talk to that athlete and kind of, you know, take them along the process and maybe instill some patience in them that's it's one of the most difficult things and we unfortunately see the downsides of athletes trying to return too quickly and it is a very patient uh, process we can encourage them with with many of the surgeries that we do have 95 96 um, percent return to play um, that 
for example, certain studies we've done with Dr. Andrews on shoulder instability has, has excellent return to play rates. However, you can't rush that athlete back. So you have to encourage them, you have to keep them motivated, you have to, it's, it's not that we have the athlete wholly inactive. We, we keep them motivated, working hard in the gym. There's a specific goal that, that they need to obtain in order to move on to the next step. However, like you said, there, there are certain procedures and certain injuries that really take nine months to a year. For example, I know we're talking about football, but let's say a Tommy John, and that may take 16 months to return. So that's an agonizing period for an athlete to be going through all of that to rehab and recover. Um, however, you got to set stepwise goals, keep them motivated, and keep their eye on the prize that there's a very high 85 to 90 percent return to play or same or higher level and that they'll eventually get there if they listen to you yeah <laughs> we hope they, yeah well dr Celia, thank you for taking the time and thanks for organizing this event to teach athletes the proper way to decelerate and try to prevent some of these injuries which are actually preventable right thanks for having me thanks at the end of the day you can't always prevent every single injury but there's certain controllables that you can't control you know like we've heard in, in these collection of interviews for this episode you know there's always something that you could be doing to, to get yourself better um, whether that's going in the cold tub or the hot tub after a, a hard practice or game maybe not going to that party because you need to go to sleep whether that's spending extra time in the weight room to forge that body armor that you know Kevin Brian and Mike all talked about um, and also you know this stuff takes sacrifice you know this is time away from friends time away from family from you know, trying to get your, your body better. Uh, but at the end of the day, like Mike said, if, if your, your best ability is your availability. And if you're not available, you're not going to last too long. And I'm a guy who didn't last too long because I didn't take care of myself. So I hope that you learn from guys like me, you know, from learning what not to do. And then also learn from guys like you heard from on the podcast today. Uh, and, to, you know, to really figure out and hone in the skill of taking care of your body and, to really maximize the longevity of your athletic career.